Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Up, y'all. What's up? Welcome into Believe in Kentucky alongside the UK legend Tony Delp, double zero. This is Vinny Hardy. How's this week been for you, TD? Man, it's been a lot going on. I just got back from uh, Elliott. Got to go there, take care of some business uh, with the wine, the Lorenzo's, man, trying to get this Chardonnay cap and Riesling popping. But, um, you know, like I said, it's just been a busy uh last couple of days man just with everything that happened jacob blake uh the nba the nfl you know with talk hearing from some of their players as well as uh, major league baseball but you know it's a lot of things we can dive into you know and i want to start off by you know definitely sending sending my prayers you know to the blake family you know um with jacob being shot that many times man for a man to survive man that means god was on his side and you know, he was doing something right. But, you know, to have his kids be there and to witness, um, you know, almost a, a homicide, you know, that's going to be something that's going to last them, you know, for the rest of their life. And I think that's what, you know, over the last couple of days kind of hit home with me, man, is just being a, a black man in this country and just kind of hearing what Doc Rivers, you know, what, you know, just to really, really what he said was that, you know, uh, this country wants us to love them, but this country doesn't love us back, you know, so – Thinking about that, you know, I know you have, you know, you have young ones that, um, you know, you have to talk to them about the conversation that most black parents have with us when we leave that house, you know, about, um, you know, dealing with policemen. Yeah. Doc, Doc summed it up really well. Chris Weber on his uh, broadcast that they didn't broadcast before he signed off uh, had a lot of good thoughts too. So, yeah, it's uh, – you definitely agree with a lot of those sentiments. Uh, bef- we started this podcast. Uh, I did a few episodes before you signed on, and then you, you had George Floyd and Breonna Taylor, and I likened it to Kentucky from the standpoint of we've seen some games and calls not go their way. We saw Christian Leitner step on the guy and stay in the game right before you became a Wildcat. Right. You know, and – we remember how upset the fan base was at that. It was on camera. You saw it. He got teed up right. and he didn't get thrown out of the game. Right. You fast forward to 2014, Kentucky's playing Florida in the swamp. And this is still when Stoops is tra- still trying to bring them up. They haven't been going to bowl games yet. They got Florida on the ropes. And Florida converts a fourth down. The play clock is on zero. The play should have never right. happened. They convert the fourth down, go ahead and get a score to win. We remember how irate Big Blue Nation was. How can he miss that call? It was right right there. It was on zero. Florida game a couple years ago, P.J. Washington gets hacked. No call. The game not winning that game. These are all things we've seen on camera and we've seen people get upset about. Yes. Same thing with the George Floyd. Same thing, Jacob Blake. These things – are now on camera and they've been happening for years before phones and cameras happened. Right. Now they're being seen. There's still not a lot of people upset about it. 
you played the game at a high level, like it this way. Say you react to a dude that's been getting, you know, cheap shot you the whole game. You react and, and throw a punch and you get a technical. Yeah. The first guy doesn't get caught. That happens a ton. Mm-hmm. Now the first guy is getting caught on camera and there's still nothing happening. I said that right. weeks ago when I started this podcast, and that's kind of the analogy I'm still saying right now because this stuff is on camera and it's being seen, but mm-hmm. it was still happening like in the 60s and Rodney King. and Yeah, and I, I think that's what's so disheartening for me. And, you know, when we go back to our civil rights leader, you know, what they were speaking for and, and you know, the, the equality back in the 60s is that, you know, we're still fighting for that. We're still fighting that fight right now. And, you know, I have to commend these these young millennials, man, they are out there. They are in, in droves. They are, they are definitely out supporting, but also there's more diversity out there. You know what I'm saying? So even when they was riding, and you no, know, riding really started in the, in the 1800s. The protests started in the 1800s, man, you know, which we were still trying to fight for our freedom. But it, it's, it's so ironic that, you know, something like that happens and it's like, we need more politicians doing what athletes are doing. You know, I want to hear from the mayor, the senators. Those are the people who make the decisions. So it's, it's, a, it's a system that's been, t- been tainted for so many years. And until the politicians step up and make decisions, we're still going to get the same results. So unless LeBron and some of these NFL players can start getting with these owners, because they are the ones that will make the decision and, and definitely not only make decision, they help make decision, but they can change this narrative because now when you have a bunch of millionaires in the room talking is, you know, it's conversation, you know, people are, people are listening, you know, but when you start having decision makers, and especially when we talk about money, this country is run by money. And when you can get the owners to come off their yachts, come off, come out of their mansions, And when they come together collectively, then we have power. You know, you, when you have some senators, you have some mayors, you have all of those people come out, and now those are the ones that can change this system. Because as much as we talk about, you know, what's going on with, pro, with police brutality is they have a strong union. So unless you can break some of that union, make some of those changes from the good, the good cops, you know, say, hey, I'm not going to be responsible for the bad cops. We got to find a way to weed these bad cops out. But it's still going to come from the top. So if the top is not making those decisions, then we still have the same system in place. And here's something else that I was thinking about, too, is when some of these older people have been in office 20, 30 years, you know what? They oversell and underdeliver, and they've been doing it for years. So before they get into office, they all, you know, they're just telling us what they're going to do. I'm going to make these changes. I'm going to make all these changes. None of these changes have occurred. We're still back at ground zero. Yeah, it's great to have the Black Lives Matter on the court and us wearing T-shirts. But that's not good enough now. Like, we have to see something in the court system that's going to change some senators, some mayors, something federal, something local, the government. I'm waiting on, on, on big change from, from, from that standpoint. But that's going to come from when our allies get in a room together, not with us blacks, is that when they get in the room, the billionaires, and say, hey, this is what we're going to do. Because what usually happens is when somebody's running for campaign, they need, they need dollars, they need money. So... If that billionaire, if let's say, for instance, let's take Milwaukee Bucks, for example, if they tell the city, hey, we're going to take our team somewhere else, 
and I'm going to take my money that I'm investing to some of these politicians and some of these different businesses, and I'm going to leave and take it somewhere else. Then you will start seeing some change. So the billionaires have to be the ones to come out, not the athletes. Great that the athletes have a platform, but we need the owners. The one who can make a that, that can help us make decisions is that now they will go and have that conversation with some of their friends. Some of their friends are the ones that make the decision. And you have to be in the room of the people who make who make the decision. And most of the time it's not people like you and my you and you and myself. Yeah, yeah. And and historically you've seen some government officials in various levels, some really try hard. Some, like you said, just lip service and they're just saying what they got to say to get the position they want. Some don't even care. Some some don't care and kind of hide it. Some just blatantly don't care and let you know they don't care. Uh, we've seen all different forms. You know, man can't direct his own step. So we, we've seen that take place throughout the mm -hmm. history as well. So um, this is the latest example of that. The, the owners were impacted by players deciding not to play the bucks decided not to play the magic and then all the games were postponed um not playing tonight either and there was meetings on whether they were going to finish out the season looking like they're gonna resume uh starting tomorrow unless things have changed again but you know you, you had Kawhi and lebron favorites to win a title who were like no nah, we you know we can just call it right now uh, Kenny Smith walked off the set. You know, you've been right mm -hmm. there in Atlanta in studio with them on NBA on TNT. And he said, I just don't feel adequate being here tonight doing TV. So he just left Ernie and Chuck and Shaq to do it. So uh, a lot has happened in these past 30-ish hours. Well, I, I also think that, you know, you know, let, let's go back to, you know, Muhammad Ali, who really sacrificed his career in the prime of his career being – 27 years old, 27 years of age. And, you know, he was saying, before I leave, I would, I would rather go to prison. And he, he went to prison in the prime of his career. He gave up something that he loved. You know what I'm saying? So with, it shouldn't come down to, once again, athletes giving up the game that they played as a kid to have fun. Yeah, we're making money. It has to come from politicians. What politician, what governor, what mayor? will give up their job, will give up their six or seven-figure job to say, you know what, I'm going to fight for the cause. I'm going to help out the black culture right now. I haven't seen anyone do that. No one from the other side have given up their career or given up their money. It's one thing to write a check, but would you be, would, but would you be willing to do what Muhammad Ali did in the prime of his career and give up, going, go to prison for three years, serve three years, because you know what? I'm not going to fight this war when we can, when we're not, when it's not equal in our country and you're going to treat us unequal here. And you want us to go fight this war? Like everything is fine. And then we come back and it's the same thing it was before we left. So when I look at what athletes have done in the past from Jim Brown to Bill Russell to Louis Senna, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar is they started the movement early on. And it's like where we are right now, we still have athletes that are speaking when we need politicians, senators, and governors, local officials. They need to be the one coming out because it would be like us turning over our 
entertainment, basketball over to the senators and the governor say, you know, we'll entertain us. We're going to have a great game tonight with all the senators and the governor playing against each other. You know, so that's where – so they, so we're carrying most of the burden right now because we do have a platform and the media want to hear from all the athletes. But let's go find these governors. Let's go find these senators because there's one – there's many of them in, in every state. But I want them collectively to come together and make a decision on, hey, this, this is a law that we need to pass either next month, next year, there needs to be something, there needs to be a George Floyd law that's passed, you know, sooner than later, because they can make the changes. When you get athletes, athletes are only coming out speaking on what they know. And here's something else too. We're not qualified to be civil rights leader. That's something that we didn't go to school for. So now you're saying, okay, we want, your, we want the black athletes to perform, entertain, also be civil rights leader and help us make decisions for our politicians when they're in office and that's their job. So if, if you're not qualified to do your job or if you've been doing your job for too long and it hasn't been any changes, you need to be removed. And that's where we need to come to as a, as a society is that now we need to start affecting those people. And, and it's more than just votes. People think, okay, we got to go out and it, it's great to vote, but in this country, blacks are only 13% of the population at the end of the day. So unless our allied, are joined with us in force, it's still going to be hard to get some of these people out of office. You know, and it happens everywhere else. You know, if you don't perform, you, you know, bottom line, no results, you, you, you gone. You know, we saw Nate McMillan, you know, Pacers making the playoffs every year, but not getting out of the first round, gone. You, are, you already talked about Brett Brown last week before Philadelphia got swept. You, already, you said, you said, I already know what's going to happen, V. You said, I'm going to tell you. You already know, man. <laughs> but, but, you, but, 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 V, you also got to know this, too, is that I think owners are unrealistic. Because looking at, let's say, Philly, looking at Indiana, those teams aren't winning no championship. Far as they might go is, let's say, second round. You know, So you got to be realistic with the talent that you have. Uh, that you're putting on the court. And I don't think some of these owners are realistic because you're going to fire that coach to bring another coach to get you worse in the first, second round. I mean, because you're not – certain teams aren't going to win the championship. And there's going to be contenders. They're pretenders. So how I look at it, if I got a good thing going, but you know what? Sometimes these owners want to make a little noise too. They, they want to get – they want to capture and steal some of the headline. Oh, we just fired our coach. You know, now, you know, we'll get a little headline. But at the end of the day, is that you look at the Pacers, you look at the Pelicans, and, and Brett Brown. I mean, those teams. I, I think Philly performed the best that they were going to perform last year, under under, under all circumstances with everybody being healthy. Uh, you had a you no know, a, a Jimmy Butler who I thought they should have definitely kept. Um, mm -hmm. Tobias, I like him a lot. Um, Tobias is your third or fourth option, but. If MB and Simmons, if one of them were to get hurt, you need another guy, another alpha, who can carry and who wants to carry a franchise and put that franchise. And that would have been Jimmy Butler. So for them, it is more about who is in position to make the decision to keep certain players. And most of the time, it's not the coach. So Brett Brown probably saw like, man, I would love to keep Jimmy Butler. He is a dog, man. And, and, and probably in the back of his mind, he's thinking like, and plus, he might help me keep my job. But if I if Ben Simmons get hurt, I know what Tobias is. Really good player, complimentary player. And he's not your your Robin. You know, he's not your Robin. But he can be a great third and fourth guy. But at, at the money that he got paid 
you're paying him as if he was the franchise player and he, he could get you 25 to 30 a night in. And with that kind of money, you got to win me a couple games, man. Before I pay you $180 million, you got to win me a couple games. I mean, and I hate to say it, man. It might be a lot of pressure, but, dude, that's a lot of money you just got. Yeah. I'm just playing – maybe I'm playing devil's advocate, just throwing it out there just to – I'm not defending an owner. I'm not an owner. But when, say, you do own the Pacers, uh, now they didn't have some bonus. Oladipo was injured off and on throughout the year. Uh, Philadelphia, you know, didn't have Simmons for the playoffs. Welcome to the NBA, B. Then you got Nick Nurse in Toronto winning coach of the year after Kawhi leaves as a defending champ. Is that uh-huh. – if you're an owner, then you look at him, does that make you look at your guy and say, this is what we should be doing? Or is Toronto still just better positioned top to bottom as a, as a roster than Philly and Indy? Well, I also think they have – like players that under they, – they have overachievers. And, and, and it's not a disrespect to them, but when you look at a, a Fred VanVleet, is, you know, he wasn't a lottery pick. Look mm-hmm. at that um, Pascal Siakam. You know, he I, I saw him at New Mexico State. He's more of a, a role player to me. And, you know, and he's done extremely well because, you know, a guy that, that kept working on this game, you know, and when you when – you, guys like – the two guys I just named are guys that play with chips on their shoulders. You know what I'm saying? So every night they step on the court is you're going to get 100% from them. And then you bring in a tough – the toughness of Kyle Lauer, you know, and you have a experienced Marcus Soule. You have a, a, a Powell who knows his role, you know, and Davis who know their role. And these guys are – they have embraced who they are. And they play defense. So what they do every night – and I, I tell my young kids, you know, when your shot is not going in, are you able to get stops? Can you guard someone? Are you so caught up in saying, man, I can't make shots. You, you can't defend either. You can't rebound. You know, you can't play basketball anymore. What mm-hmm. else can you do? So what they've done and have been really good at, they play really good defense. And they got some tough little guards out there. So when I look at Toronto and, you know, the key to all of this is, you know, it's staying healthy. As we saw Golden State last year is – when that season started, Golden State was picked to win it. And we didn't think about, oh, man, KD going to get hurt. Klay Thompson going to get hurt. You know, and they got hurt late. But also those guys played a lot of basketball leading up to that. And eventually what that does is it takes a toll on your body, man. You don't know where it's going to hit you at. And if you can't get through some of these series in, in four games um, and you push the seven games, man, like that takes a toll because it's a different level of intensity when you go from – regular season to playoff and on top of that you are the hunted so when you're the hunted that means the team that you're playing against is playing that much harder to dethrone you so it's a different level of intensity that i don't think fans definitely don't have an understanding it's like oh man it's just gonna cake they're gonna it's gonna be a cakewalk for them you know no no it's not gonna be because that team has watched film they know you and they want to dethrone you so they're playing even harder so when you think about um, a team like Toronto is a team that hasn't had any major injuries other than, you know, of course, Kyle Lowry had twisted his ankle the other night, but he has a few days to recover. I mean, they've been solid across the board, man. And you can be, you can be solid when every player knows his role and he has embraced it, he can accept it. And it's hard for some of these other teams because um, when you have guys who are secure, and what I mean by secure is that they have their contract in place. But when you got four or five guys 
who are free agents, them dudes looking to get paid, man. And that causes friction and tension on the team that fans don't even think about. But when my contract is up, I'm thinking about Tony Dell. You know what I'm saying? You might be saying, man, hey, we can, you can help lead us to the championship. Oh, that, that's great, man, but I got to take care of Tony Duck when it's, when it's time for me for my contract come up. Because when your contract comes up, I expect you to take care of you and your family. That's true. And one last – you you mentioned something that uh, is going, I want to ask you about anyway and then get to the UK news and still coaching staff stuff. But you mentioned Van Vliet and uh, Pasco playing with chips on their shoulders. The flip side of that, you know, we, we just saw the – the Timberwolves win the lottery and they, you know, talking like Anthony Edwards might be the first pick. Anthony Edwards, Ben Simmons, Markel Fultz, guys one and done that did not lead their teams to the NCAA tournament. How does that strike you, TD? We know what you did in the tournament. Right. If GM, if you're an owner, this guy doesn't even lead his team to the dance in his one season in college. How does that mm-hmm. even, how does that rub you, man? When I think about Markel folks and Edwards, I probably would have gambled on Ben Simmons because at least with myself, when I was working for that other network, it was that um, I really got a chance to see him play. So I knew he had a, he had a special gift. When you six, nine, you can't teach the height, passing ability. You know, he wasn't a great shooter, but, he could always get to the basket. He defended. So he brought, you know, he impacted a stat sheet, whether it wasn't scoring a lot of points, but he could rebound. He could get you assist, and he could defend his position, and he could defend multiple positions. So he knew how to impact the game another way that was different, that, that's different from Anthony Edwards and Markel Folks. Um, I mean, I'm – I mean, there ain't nothing special about him. I really, I really like Wiseman. If I had to choose, and I know it might be tough for him and Cat to play together, but with Golden State getting that second pick, I'm getting, I would get Wiseman because I think Wiseman fit right into what they're trying to do. You're gonna have a healthy, healthy Clay. You have Steph back, Draymond. Um, I think Wiggins. He might have a coming out party. We don't know which Wiggins gonna gonna, gonna come to play, and then just the. Wiseman being long, athletic, man, like he's really going to protect that rim. And, you know, you're really getting a really seasoned ath- athletic big. But with Edwards, I'm just not sold on him. I got a chance to see him, and I'm like, you know, he's, he's a good player, but worthy of number one, man, that's tough. That, that's, you know what, that's a lot of pressure um, on, a, on a player, and especially a young player, and he didn't dominate the SEC. You know, he was a good player, but there was nothing where I would turn over and watch Georgia Georgia Bulldogs play, and I'm like, man, I got to check out Anthony Edwards. There was not one game that I saw that I was like, man, I'm excited about watching them play. Not one. I mean, I, I can't even I can't even just look at him and say, man, like, that dude wanted – like, would I turn my TV on if he was on? Yeah, I'd turn my TV on. But to say I'm a fan and I'm looking forward to, to – or, or put it like this, would I pay money to watch Anthony Edwards? No, I wouldn't. And that was the that was the way he was built coming in. He was he was must see TV coming into that freshman season at Georgia. That's what you you know we thought we were going to get, and and that just didn't happen, is it? Dick? But but I still think you know how does your game transfer to the next level? Like what do you do really great? And being an athlete, I'll, I've seen many athletes, but how do you impact the game if you're not? scoring but if you're not a great shooter 
then, you know, teams are going to back off you. You know, so it's being an athlete, what are you showing, you know, the fans to be like, man, we getting that kind of player. Like, put like this, when I first saw John, I was like, oh, man, that dude is special. And he was special because he had a different gear that I hadn't seen. I'm like, man, that, that dude is a one-man fast break. He reminded me of Jason Kidd when he got the ball. Only thing you have to do is run with him. You know, he's going to make a play. And those players are worthy of when you when you select them, number one, you'd be like, okay, I got something special. Like, even with Ben Simmons, I just thought Ben Simmons was special, man, because I, I got a chance to see him play. And he reminded me so much of LeBron that it was just like, man, how can you not pass? You, you would never pass up on that talent. Can't yeah. do it, man. You know, and, and the same thing with Jordan Bead is like, I didn't know he would be as good offensively. I knew he had a he brought brought a big body. He was a you know he was a, a serviceable rebounder. He could protect the paint, but then he was able to start making shots and, and on the low block. He could pop, pick and pop. Just two players. I know there's been a lot of discussion like those, those dudes got to you know you got to break that break Ben Simmons and Joel and beat up. And I, I just wouldn't do it. Like I would try to bring another coach in. But like I said, the, the to me. The most important player was was probably, I would say, Jimmy Butler. I thought Jimmy Butler could have held that held that team because what he would have done is he would have held both those guys accountable. And right now they're they're still young; they don't hold each other accountable. You know what I'm saying? It's like it's Ben or is it Joel? It's like somebody has to be the leader. And here's the thing about being a leader, and this is where I think Jimmy Butler would have been great for them, and he would have been worth that money that extra money that they are out there paying out maybe to Al Horford. I think I would have gave Al Horford contract to, to Jimmy Butler. Al is a great dude, but sometimes you got to know when a player, there's there's only three left on tires. And you got to make a decision on when you bring a player in like that. But what he would have done is, is he would have held, held both guys accountable and they would have respected him at the end of the day. You respect that dude because he works extremely hard. Like he ain't, he's not going to come in and sugarcoat what he's what he's going to say, but also you're getting 100% of him working his butt off. And if you got that player, man, when other guys see it, they're going to they're gonna buy in. Hey, we off and running like we always are, y'all. Follow the, the show on Believe Podcast on Twitter, at TLW0 on Twitter, at Vinny Hardy on Twitter. Give us five stars on iTunes. I keep saying Instagram. I keep having brain cramps. Tony and I are. <laughs> On Instagram, so if y'all can figure out a way to give us five stars on Instagram, go ahead. But Make it happen, man. Do what y'all do. Five stars on iTunes and, and subscribe and download wherever you get your podcast. Flipping the script to UK real quick because we just had, you know, the breaking news. We had to get to that first. We talked about Kenny and Dwayne moving on to bigger opportunities. We see that Bruiser Flint is now on the staff. Uh, old standby for Cal. So what is Kentucky getting with Bruiser Flint, uh, Bruiser Flint coming to the staff? You know what? I, I really do like Bruiser. Bruiser and I, you know, we've crossed paths uh, many times. But just a a solid a solid guy, someone who, who's, who's a basketball lifer. He's going to bring the energy that Coach Cal needs. He knows exactly what Coach Cal is expecting. He's going to get his job done. And – you know, he's a technician, you know, he, he's a, he has a guard mentality. So when you have a guard mentality, you know, they're going to be thinking offensively as well as uh, how do I cut the head of a snake off on the defensive side of the ball. So they're getting a, getting a seasoned vet, someone who's, you know, who's actually he's, he's run his own program. And when you run your own program, it means you're able to, to make the right decision 
and now you're just coming in adding on a, another important another important pillar to what Coach Cal has, has been doing. So I think he's a great addition. Plus, someone that Coach Cal knows extremely well, and those are the people that you you can do business with, and you know those people have your back. They they gonna always have your best interest at heart. So it's not like it's hiring someone you don't really know, a friend of someone, and you're like, I trust you, but I don't trust you. It's not like that with Bruiser. Like, Bruiser is one of his guys. He just come in and, and fit right in. Huh? Absolutely. And the other news is you know, Jay Lucas, who, you know, was recruited back when Patrick Patterson was a player and everybody thought he was coming back when Tubby was still here. Full circle, decade, 10, 12, 13 years later, he kind of has a special off-court role with the team, but also – can be an assistant should have opening come available down the road. Like, I don't know, Joe Justice or something, but, you know, what, what's Kentucky getting with Jay Lucas coming from Texas? I think, like I said, you're getting a, you're getting a solid young, young, young mind, you know, and I think that's what's going to be important is that Coach Cal is definitely surrounding himself with some, with some, uh, some, some guys, some grassroots guys. Like that's, that's important too is having a connection with grassroots, grassroots uh, coaches and grassroots guys that are connected and, and definitely can bring you the kind of talent that that you've been accustomed to. Because when it's all said and done, what kind of talent will you bring in to fit into your system? You know, and that's what college programs are about. It's like, hey, it's my system, it's my system. But once your system is, they've scouted it, now you got to have guys who can also beat the system. And what I mean by beat the system when the shot clock is winding down, I want to have two or three guys that can go out and guess what I want them to do? I want them to be able to make a play. Make a play for yourself or make a play for a teammate. Because we can keep running the same sets, but you know this, with scouting reports and video, they already know all your plays. They've already scouted your plays. But what they haven't scouted and what's tough and difficult, if a player can break the defense down, that's what collapses the defense but also allows – you to get into the teeth of the defense to make plays and the score. And those are the kind of players I think excel in a system is when the system is not working, go get me a bucket. Go get me two buckets. For sure. For sure. Uh-oh. I froze up a little bit. <clears throat> the execution is what? Multiple ball handlers. Guys that can help me make, make decisions on court. That's what's going to be key. Absolutely. That execution. Oh, um, you look, it's not been that long ago that you retired from the NBA. But to me, I think we've seen a lot of change in this. And what I'm talking about is, you know, Paul, Cho Paul George struggled. You know, he was getting shade. They were like, why you call yourself playoff P when you three for 72? You know, Charles, <laughs> Charles never messing with him. He broke out the other day against uh, a Dallas. You know, the Clippers beat him by about 40. He had 30 and, and yeah. like himself. In the post-game interview, he talked about, you know, he was in the bubble. He was in a dark place. He talked about getting help from family. What, what has changed? Did you hear a lot about mental health when you were playing? Or has that just happened more so in the past few years? You know, we had – the first time I saw it, you had Ron Artest after the Lakers won a title, talking about I want to thank my psychiatrist, right there when the confetti's coming down on the court. <laughs> Now we got, uh, you know, Kevin Love has come out, DeMar DeRozan has come out, and you had different guys, you know, being more open with that now. Was 
was it still just kind of a don't talk about that when you played, or was it guys that were yeah. struggling with it even when you were in the league? I'm sure there was players that were, that were struggling with it. I think, you know, when you think about Paul George just being in the bubble, is that's totally different, man. Like, you know, even when you have a bad game, you can go be with your family. You know, I'm sure he has a, has a, has a child. You know, you can go hang out and you can, you can take your mind away from having a bad game. But when you go back home, back to your room, is you got to check your phone. Okay, man, they're killing me on my phone. I got to put my phone down. Turn on the TV. Oh, Paul George hadn't done this. So it's like the two things, the two resources that you're comfortable having and checking all the time are talking negative about you. So now, you know, for this, like I said, this generation right here, they rely on social media. So when you can't go to social media and be you and and even comment to try to get into you don't want to get in discussion with some of these people because they don't know what's going on in your head. They don't know what it's like. Okay. You can't see your family for X amount of time. And it's like, you got to be in this bubble. Although you get millions of dollars, but I still have a life. I still want to be free to do what I want to do when I want to do it. But in this time with this pandemic, you haven't been able to do that. So I'm sure a lot has been going on, going on in his head that man, you know, he was just reluctant to be in the playoff right now. And sometimes basketball can take your mind away from your everyday life and everyday living, but you still have to go out there and perform. And when you're not performing and doing what you know you're capable of, that plays with your mind because you know you're a better player than that. You know, you know, hey, man, I'm letting my brothers down. You know, my brothers need me to do this, but, man, my head is somewhere else right now. And I think what he did was, you know, just talking to Doc – Coach Rivers about just life, man, because sometimes it's not about basketball. Like, what, what happened to Jacob Blake is not about basketball, man. It's about a human being. And instead of us, you know, not to go back to what we talked about early, but when I think about people hearing you, like, we need people to listen. And not only listen, we need you to listen with an open heart. Because when you start listening with your heart, things will change. No, you can't sympathize or be empathetic to something that's never happened to you. But when you're a human being and you see somebody like that, I mean, my heart hurts for that. I don't care if that person was Native American, Mexican, it doesn't matter. White is that that hurts my heart, man, to see what happened to George Floyd, Ahmaud Aubrey, you know, Breonna Taylor. We can go down the line, man. I mean, I mean, the names just keep pounding up and going back to Paul George. When something like that happened to Paul George, man, it's like, man, who do I go to? And then, you know, he's human too. So this, we don't know how that could have affected him when he see another black man. It's like, dude, we're down here for that purpose. We're down for this purpose, and it's still happening. So why are we here? So, you know, a lot is going on, not only in his mind, and most of the athletes' mind are down the bubble. Like, we're here to fight for our equality, the social injustice. That's what we're here for. And, dude, we're still seeing it. So us playing basketball hadn't changed anything as far as, like, from – you know, in his mind, he could be thinking that. We don't know. So now you start second-guessing, like, man, why, why are we here, man? I, I want to go back. I want to be my family, you know. And, but, but, he, but just because he make a lot of money, he in the playoff, he can't have feelings. Right. Wrong. Mm -hmm. And we roll our eyes. We talked about him uh, before, but, but Kyrie turns out to be kind of right on this one, you know. He, yeah. He says some off-the-wall stuff, but he's, he kind of got this one. He nailed this one. Well, he, he nailed it to the point where when you can't go and do something, you got a lot of time to be thinking. 
You know what I'm saying? It's like, okay, well, why, why are we there then? You know, what, what, what purpose are we serving? Because as I said earlier, the purpose served is not about what goes on your back, what kind of shirt you put on, what they put on the floor. We need things to happen locally, federally, and in the government. The system has to change. The same system that we're talking about that police have that protect them, a system has to be in place to make change. And unless that change takes place, we're back to where we started, square one. Like, there have been some changes, man, but it's like, okay, how long is it going to last? Because we can go back to when LeBron James first put on I Can't Breathe T-shirt. Uh, or the hoodie for Trayvon Martin is that that goes back years, man. We're not talking about something that happened last year. So it's like, okay, we, you, you're standing up and speaking for a cause, but you know, we're, we're, st we're still in the same place. We still wearing t-shirts. We need, we need some changes, man. Cause we've had t-shirts, um, you know, people out protesting, but we need some changes within that system. That system doesn't change. We haven't accomplished anything in, in my eyes. That's my opinion. Mm -hmm. It makes it makes sense, and it, it makes sense to see how he could be in his thoughts like that. And then, like you said, you can't you can't have feelings, which of course he does. But you can't go anywhere. You you got a lake, maybe you can go fish, and then you back to your room and the bubble. So you can over and, and over and now, week after week. Yeah. Think about this too. He can't even hop on social media, and and because soon he starts saying something. Well, what about your game, man? Why ain't your game like this? You know, so. He will get attacked immediately if he was on just trying to say, hey, man, what happened to, to Jacob was this, that, the other. But then you're going to have some fans, well, well, what about your game, man? Why you need to worry about – their first thing they said, you need to worry about your game. Why ain't your game where it needs to be? And it's like, man, that's just how people operate instead of them understanding. But, it, but like I said, it's hard to sympathize with somebody if it's not really affecting you. You know what I'm saying? It's like, yeah, 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 but why ain't you doing what you're supposed to do on the court? You know what I'm saying? But to see another black man gunned down, shot that many times is something that if you can be numb to, which there have been times where I've, I've just been numb to like, okay, another killer, man. Like, okay, you know, I don't want to think like that anymore. It's not about what he do wrong. Who cares what he did wrong? He is a human being. We are human. Paul George is a human being, human being and a human being that has feelings. It's not about how much money I have that I, I don't have feelings. That don't stop you from having, having feelings. And it's, it's easy to attack somebody on social media because you don't really know them. And guess what? You can hide behind social media. That's true. And it's, we shouldn't be that way, like you said. And it's, it's human nature. We, we allow ourselves to do it. That whole not empathizing or sympathizing until you've been through it. I'll, I'll tell one on my wife real quick. She's been putting up with me for 19 years. And she said, <laughs> she said it herself, you know, before – you know, we had our first son, and she see, you know, women pregnant or if it was on TV or in person, oh, I'm in so much pain. I'm so sore. I'm sick. I'm this. Oh, it ain't that bad. Yeah, we're just going to do what you need to do. Going, push through it. And then she got pregnant with our first one, and oh, and she, she's like, I'll take back everything I said about exactly. what these pregnant women was going through, she said, because, whoo. So we all do it when we shouldn't, but. Yeah. We will let ourselves do it if do that if we're not careful. Just oh, it's fine. I'll oh, suck it up. Don't right. you know, that's just you know, it's a bad habit we all got. <laughs> yeah, we, we we all judge people accordingly, you know, to what's going on. But also, you know, when when you have experienced something, you know, and especially with when I think about, you know, 
going to prison, going to jail, uh, friends dying. Um, you know, it's something that in our culture we see a lot. We know a lot of. You know what I'm saying? So um, you can become numb to a situation, but it don't mean that, you know, you don't have feelings towards because I, I do understand. You know, I'm like, man, I, I just, you know, for me, it was just thinking about everything yesterday, man. I'm like, what could I what could I have done better? What if I was there with them? Would I be a part of what was going on? You know what I'm saying? So a lot of thoughts run through your head. And I think what you need to share, you know, these thoughts and feelings with, you know, are with people other than us, you know, we already know this, you know what I'm saying? But it's our ally that needs to understand and talk to us, get to know us, man. Not, not get to know me for one day. Don't come in and say hi, bye. And, you know, come hang out with me. Come see who I'm, cause, cause there are a lot of, there, there's bad people in every culture, yeah. but there are a lot of good people and mm-hmm. a lot of cultures too. And we have a lot of unbelievable, great black men and women that some of them will never get to know, but we are being judged on the color of our skin. And it's definitely time for them to understand we're more than just that. We're more than just an athlete. Is that we have a voice. We just as qualified for some of the jobs that you're up for. And we also got to know when we're qualified, we might not get paid the same. You know what I'm saying? That happens. That's life. It shouldn't be like that. You know, if, if we commit the same crime, is that we get more time. We know that. So certain things we have, we know, but I don't even think they really know that. Like, they don't even think about that. You know, hey, this guy is probably more qualified than me. But guess what? I know the owner of the company. That's how I got the job. I had to go through all those steps, all those different layers and, and you know, up that ladder or whatever. I know, the, I know the person on the company. I can go straight to the source. Yeah. Chances are we can't do that. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Oh, you know what? He committed a crime. Oh, man, I know the judge, man. Oh, I know the district attorney. Oh, I'm good. You know what I'm saying? We're going to take this plea deal and get out of here, and we're going to be good, man. We're going to be on probation. I got you, dude. We don't we, we don't have no kind of connection. But if you have no kind of connections, man, you're not going to be in that kind of trouble anyway. Yeah, that's true. That's true. But lighten it up real quick on before we pop off. Uh, it was a little – you speaking of social media, and these, these were old guys on social media. <laughs> Mark Jackson, you know, said – virtually essentially that Carmelo wasn't able to not play defense for the majority of his career. I don't know if George Carl was watching or somebody went and told him what Mark Jackson said, but George Carl gets on Twitter, you know, taking shots at Mark Jackson saying, you know, who's the coach that had a team turn into a dynasty right after that person left. Talking about the Warriors. <laughs> and Mark Jackson said, well, you know, I, you know, I was, wasn't really talking about you, but, I beat you as a coach in the playoffs. God bless you and yours, something like that. The Twitter beef between those two dudes, I'm sure you know them, I've, I've interacted with them at different points of time, but two That's old funny. dudes beefing on Twitter. <laughs> That's funny, man. You got love, yeah, you got love social media, man. You, you, hey, you can hash things out without even saying a word. <laughs> you can get your feelings out, man, and, and you ain't got to say that. You, you can just sit back and, 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 and let other people do the work for you, man. That's what social media gives you a different platform. <laughs> Crazy. I love it, man. I love it. <laughs> We've been talking a lot about, you know, the the high school stuff you know, in Kentucky. They're still meeting. Will they play? Won't they play? Flashing back to your time in Tennessee, TSSAA. I know how it is in Kentucky. Also, you know, you got your 16 regions. Everybody win their region. They go to Rupp Arena for the state tournament. How was mm-hmm. it set up when you played in Tennessee? What – 
what district region level were you well, in we, and how was it set up? Well, we did, we had the different class. So we had single A, double A, triple A. So at the time, uh, my school was triple A. So from my region, they took the two teams that played in the sub-state. So they represented that region. And from that region, I think we had maybe eight to eight to ten regions. And those two teams would go and represent that class. So um, AAA was definitely, you know, the hardest class to get a championship in. You know, I got a chance to play in a sub-state. And I, I won one, lost one, and lost in the first round of the state quarterfinals. So it's – it was difficult. If I could go back and do it all over again, I, I was. I thought about this a few months ago. I was like, man, I would have probably instead of instead of scoring thirty eight points, if I could have probably averaged twenty four, twenty five, gave thirteen or fourteen to another teammate, and had a, a a great duo, that we would have been untouchable. You know, because there come a time where if you're scoring that many points, we really just got to play two guys on you. And, and make these other guys beat us. And those other guys aren't comfortable because when they have – you've always done all the work and put in – you know, scoring all the points that they rely heavily on you. And when I look at what we could have done if we'd have had two or three other guys that were scoring, and a lot of the scoring responsibilities on, was on my shoulder. But if I'd have had a couple other guys that they couldn't have keyed on me as much as they did in the state tournament, and I think we could have went on to have won it because I thought we was talented enough that we just had that one game where they stopped me and I still scored over 30 points, but no one else really stepped up. And those guys weren't in position and weren't prepared to step up. And also we wasn't as focused as we should have been. We went there, we had fun. We was happy to get to the state. You know, we didn't think about, uh, man, you know, that first game, because we had the late game. You know, they wanted to see, see our team play. And, dude, we must have stayed up all night, man. We was playing cards and – Walking on the streets, man. We, we didn't go to bed probably like four or five in the morning. Man. And that game was eight o'clock at night. So we had man, we had no focus, man. We we was we was young kids having fun. If we if we could have got if I had another year, as we would have came back, I would have been a better leader and we would have took care of business. I know I know we would have. Man. Because I would have been so pissed that we made it. Man. And instead of being satisfied to make it, I would have been like, Hey, we're here to win this thing, man. But and saying all that, my good friend who was my backcourt teammate, Kendall Dancy, he took our team there, I think, in 2015, and we did win the state championship. So oh, we brought one home. There you go. Would y'all – did y'all go to Nashville, Murfreesboro? Where would y'all go for the it – uh, It's held in Murfreesboro. I think early on in the 70s, it was held in Memphis. So Murfreesboro is kind of like the cutoff between Memphis – uh nashville and chattanooga so that's kind of like the central located area to have games okay yeah i just wanted knew i wanted to ask at some point how how it was set up down in your home state how y'all did yes, thing for high school basketball postseason play so yeah uh one last thing too i said that but i you you played in the league you played in the nba so for that decade plus you were one of the top 400, 450 players in the world. Can you name a play where, look, and you already said it's hard to impress you. Is there a play that happened where you were on the court where maybe as a teammate of yours, maybe somebody on the other team made a play that mm -hmm. for, for a split second, you were like, oh, it just, you, your, your jaw dropped for just a minute. Even though you one of the baddest dudes on, on earth in the NBA, right. you saw something that made you go, oh, 
as you're running back down on offensive defense? I think, man, I'm, I'm going to go back to a play. I want to say I was with Sacramento Kings, and we were playing Toronto Raptors, and Vince Carter dunked on Vlade Divac. When I tell you, it happened so fast, man. It was like he just grabbed the ball and just went up over the seven foot, and I was like, oh, my God, man, he just – you know, because I just didn't see it happening. You know what I'm saying? It, it happened so fast, and he was just such a, a great, prolific athlete that he jumped over my man. I was like, man, he just dunk on Vladi. Because, I mean, I, I, had, I was looking for the replay. That's how cold it was. When you're in the game, yeah. you're looking for the replay on the big screen, man. That's how nice. I was like, I got to see that play again. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. Vince Carter dunking on Vladi Divac. That's, that, that sounds about right. That sounds about because I know. Look, all all y'all uh, alpha dogs, all y'all are, look. I'm you got your ego. I deserve to be out here. I can hold my own. But I knew it had to be something right now there that we would make y'all be like, oh, oh, yeah. So it was real, man. It went standing. down. <laughs> been sanity, of course, at the top of the list. Man, it's been a lot of fun. We had to to come in serious on this one to start off uh, with everything that's been going on. And we'll see if they resume things tomorrow and, and pick it back up or what, what they decide to do going forward. You made a lot of good points. I knew you would have strong opinions. I got it, man. That's how I yeah. get down, man. <laughs> Absolutely. So, man, have a good rest of the week. The TVPA right, is doing this thing. Y'all keep checking us out each and every week. On iTunes, give us five stars and wherever you get your podcast. And Tony Duck and I will be here each and every week on Believe in Kentucky. Hold down the fort, brother. Talk to you later. Everybody take care. Appreciate it. listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform check us out at believe.com and search for b-l-e-a-v on youtube you know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks that's what our podcast people are the worst brings you with each episode i'm rachel And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.